Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Aaron from Tonic Life out of the UK. What's going on, my friend? How are we doing today? Hi, Emily. Really good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you have going on and how you run your gym, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Okay, so uh, Tonic is in Bath, UK, and we are a small group training facility. And I also have a small personal training facility um, attached to that in a slightly separate building. Um, The personal training side of things has been going for about five years. And then about four years ago, just pre-COVID, we decided to open up a larger training facility so we could support more people. I was actually kind of maxed out on my PT hours um, and I also wanted to help more people. So that's kind of where the group training facility w- was born. I also felt that there was a need for kind of more cost-effective training. Not everyone can afford the higher ticket price of a PT. So um, to have kind of almost PT level coaching and training sessions, but in a group environment um, seemed like the natural place to go. Um, and meant they kind of I could maximize my time and see more people at once. So yeah. that's how we got there with Tonic. Um, so yeah, it's a cool little group training facility. It's quite nimble. It's quite boutique. Um, so we run classes kind of Monday to Saturday, and um, five or six classes a day. And it's the same thing every day. So on a Monday is what we call our sweat class, which is kind of more high intensity body weight cardio movements. And that same class will run all throughout the day. And then it will vary every day of the week, um, but the same class being repeated, um, uh, depending on what day we're, we're doing. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So tell us a little bit about your background, because you've been in the industry for almost 20 years, right? Yeah, I've been in it for, for quite a while. Um, I've been a personal trainer for 18, 19 years now. Um, and I started work as a PT, working out of a fitness first um, in Bath. And then things evolved from there. I ended up working um, and almost running the gym as my own at a Soho House um, gym in the UK. So we've got a, a place called Babington House, which is part of the Soho House members group. And they had a small uh, little gym there, which I ran. And I ran kind of boot camp classes. I ended up working with um, quite a few actors and actresses, trying to get them into, into the roles, um, get them ready for their roles. Working with loads of different people um, throughout my time there um, and kind of honing my skills a little bit so that... Um, and then about five years ago, I then decided to open up my first kind of own studio in Bath, which was predominantly for personal training. Um, and, and then we kind of evolved into the group training facility. And along the way, um, I started studying a bit more about kind of health and well-being through, uh, through Chinese medicine and in particular Qigong. So Qigong is a bit like Tai Chi. It's moving meditations, but it's really about connecting yourself to your energy and your breath and a bit more of a, um, a holistic view um, on what we're doing. So I've kind of merged personal training from the Western side of things into, uh, into Qigong and tried to come up with um, a bit of a product which is a little bit more holistic, um, focuses on recovery, sleep, uh, and trying to educate people on how to look after their health. Um, not just about looking good and slogging yourself in the gym, it's about all the other bits that actually come with that to make you feel good at the same time. Because so many people I know slog it out in the gym, they might look good, but they don't actually feel that great and they haven't got that much energy. So I'm like, there is a nice balance in it somewhere where you can kind of feel good, look great and, and really enjoy life to its full. So that's what we, we try and do. Yeah, absolutely. I really love how, how I love how you've combined um, just different, 
you know, aspects of different cultures into one. I think it's pretty cool. So it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, so you transitioned from personal trainer to business owner, right? Yeah, that's correct. How talk talk to us a little bit about that transition. Was it easy? Was it hard? Was there anything that was surprising about it? I suppose there's just so much to learn. <laughs> you you envisage that you just kind of know it and you've picked up enough along the way. Um, but going from even just a small personal training studio was really simple. But going to a group facility, there was just so many bits I really didn't fully think through that would just take so much time, like all the health and safety stuff that you just need to know about running a facility, you know, getting all your fire checks in place. My my gym is in the, in the ground floor of a, um, of a building that has a lot of accommodation above. And so, you know, my fire alarm and, and all that system was an absolute fortune. I hadn't factored any of that in because we had, we had people living above and it had to be of a higher standard than if you were just in a different kind of retail um, or kind of um, warehouse kind of style of unit. So there's so many little details that you just you just really can't uh, can't take into consideration until you're in that situation, and then you just have to kind of learn as you go along very quickly. Um, yeah. And you just got to put those hours in, right? Because uh, in the early parts, you are learning so much, and it is taking up a lot of time and a lot of energy. And uh, yeah, I wish I'd kind of. Uh, had more advice or known about some of these details before I'd started it all. It just would have made it a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, well, appreciate you for sharing. Um, so, I mean, like, what, from your perspective, like, what are, if you could only have, like, two skills to rely on as a business owner, this is a hard question because I've eliminated too much. Like, what are the most important two skills to obviously run a sustainable business? One of the hardest things I've found and the skill that I've had to work on the most is uh, the accountancy skill, being better at my accounting, being better at the financial side of things. It's so important. And um, I was kind of winging it to start off with and just getting by with uh, not knowing the finer details of everything and, and not nailing things down. And that was the biggest learning curve. Um, so definitely, if you think about opening up a gym, just really nail down the accounting, really understand what each thing means, understand how to kind of um, manage manage your payments going out and the timings of that and how to really um, keep an eye on, on what your spend is because it can really quickly get out of hand and you can end up um, in a bit of a tricky place very quickly. Um, you know, knowing when you hit in the UK with the VAT threshold. So once you start turning over 86,000 pounds, you then have to start looking at 20% of that going to VAT and that disappears at your account. <laughs> so that's a really tricky thing to, you know, when you just tip over that threshold, you've still to, you've got to kind of find 20% to, to, to pay for that. So that's quite a tricky thing to, to get right in the early days. And I'd never had an experience of that previously. So yeah. um, I, learned, I learned some of those bits the hard way, but yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely being good at accounting. Okay. Um, and then the next one is, is management skills, right? Managing people actually in particular. Um, I've got a team of six or seven coaches at the big gym and making sure they're all happy making sure that they're delivering what you want them to deliver all the time with quality um, and the same way that you would deliver it is really, really tough. And learning to actually realize, to let some things go. I'm quite particular about the way things are done, the way the room looks, the way everything is, but other people aren't gonna be as particular as me. So I've had to learn to just let things go a little bit, be a bit more relaxed because you can't wind yourself up about it and you can't get into arguments with your staff about them leaving a dumbbell in the wrong place every day. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, choose your battles and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and learn to and uh, kind of 
let's obviously stand your ground when you need to um, and make sure that people know, know where they stand with you. But, but um, yeah, uh, managing people is really, really important because they're the people who are the front of my business. They're in there teaching one-to-one -one with my clients more than I am. So, um, you know, they need to be really be representing my brand in the right way. And I'm very lucky that I've got an amazing team that do do that. But yeah. you have to keep on top of that. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So, I mean, like, what is your role in your business now? Like, what's your day-to-day -day look like? So I still teach group classes and I still teach PT. I actually really enjoy that part of it anyway. And I don't know if I could ever fully let that go. I like the energy of teaching, uh, teaching my clients and being in a group environment and seeing people get results and getting feedback from them. That's you know part of the reason why I've, I've always um, loved personal training, right? That connection with people. Um, but more and more my, my life, um, again, something I didn't always expect to happen, but more and more my life is behind a computer, which means um, all the admin that comes with it, emails, the social media posts, which I hate doing. I'm not very good at social media, but you have to be, you have to wear all the hats. Um, and then doing the accounts and, and then looking at other, you know, opportunities and how we can move forwards and making sure we're always doing something new to keep things exciting for the members mm -hmm. um, and make sure they always feel like they're getting good value out of the business. So yeah. whether that's events or um, kind of planning new training sessions, because I write all the, I write all the programming for the classes. And then the then the um, instructors deliver that programming. So I need to make sure that's looking good each week. I need to be constantly making changes to that just in case um, you know I get some feedback that it's not quite where it should be from coaches and things. So there's a lot of things to to manage in my day and week. And um, uh, yeah, so a lot of hours get taken up on the computer and and managing those side of things as well as trying to to fit in my own training at times. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing, giving us the insight on like what the actual day to day looks like. So let's talk about marketing. Um, I heard you mention social media uh, just a few seconds ago. So hypothetical situation, let's say that I were to move to Bath UK like a month from now. And I'm a person who's like really interested in that holistic approach and just incorporating like other traditions and other things from other cultures. How do I know that you guys are out there? It's a really difficult one to get across. Um, People normally find us for our, our overall fitness classes, which are kind of very high intensity or strength training. Um, and so we try to make sure that in our messaging, we're always talking about some breath work, how to recover properly, uh, talk about Qigong. You know, we do yoga sessions in the gym as well. So that's a hard thing to, to get across because I think people, when they see gyms, um, especially like small boutique gyms, they're normally thinking of like that fitness, that, that um, kind of more hardcore training side of things. So, um, we also find that you know, the messaging, if we're trying to do any advertising, is again really hard to get out there because in Bath we've had three um, fairly big kind of commercial gyms open up in the last year, and they have just kind of saturated the market in terms of like any advertising space. They've just got much more marketing power, so they're paying for everything. So visually, it's very hard to get us out there in front of people. Yeah. Um, so a lot of our work, um, a lot of our work, definitely comes from word of mouth. Okay. Um, people sharing their results and sharing how well they've done um, and then going out there and talking I do a lot of kind of stuff in different spaces um, uh, in the local area so I run a men's mental health group called the icebreakers we do a lot of cold water swimming and so chatting to people through that so people see that I do that and they connect me back to the gym so they start asking questions about the breathwork and the qigong that I do through that um, next week I've got a talk um, in a kind of an office space in Bath that we're kind of inviting people to, which is just a, a winter wellness talk alongside a nutritionist. So people will start to see me 
that way, um, which I think is really nice because they start to connect with you, they ask more questions and they're probably more engaged than just seeing an advert. But we do know that there is you know, that need for that social media so that if you were coming and you were looking of where you wanted to go a month before you, you arrive in the UK, you need to know what options there are. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think you know we are the only people really doing what we do in Bath, like the boutique um, group fitness thing to the stand, to the kind of the level that we do it um, in such a uh, big space. Um, so we will stand up that way anyway. But um, you know, it's like you know, how do you see more of the holistic side of things? Definitely something that we need to work on, and we are working on. Yeah, yeah. So okay, let's see. Because from what you were saying, it sounds like you do like you said word of mouth and also a lot of networking in the community, right? Yeah. So how does networking or word of mouth like lead to a paying customer? Like what's your process for that? Okay. So at the moment we're running trials. So we do like a 14 day trial for X amount. So we expect that once people are in and they do a few classes, they start to really understand what we're about and who we are. One session to give someone a trial, it's not quite enough. We want people to experience them, the whole product and get to maybe become a little bit of part of the community see some of the same people again in the sessions they do and start, start some conversations so they start to feel part of something so they get that initial trial period at a reduced price before they hopefully move into a full membership or they can have a full membership for classes and they can also get with that some personal training just to help them in the early stages to okay. work on any movements that they're struggling with some people do you know their monthly membership plus one or two personal training sessions a month always because they like that that one-to-one -one support as well so they can kind of focus on their goals or refine what they're doing yeah. Um, so that's kind of how they get into it. They, they register through our website uh, and then one of our um, staff members will give them a call. So I've got a guy who works on sales for us. He'll give them a call. He'll go through um, a bit of a um, kind of client appraisal with them, find out what their goals are, what they're likely to want to achieve in the gym. And then he can leave notes on the system. So if someone's coming in, they're new and they've got a bad back or something like that, we, we know about it before they've entered the room. So we can talk to them about it and we can talk them through um, move, how, you know, any movement variations that they might need in the session or some specific warm-ups they could do to prepare their body for a class. So we try to, even though it's a group environment, we really want to personalize it as much as we can. And that starts with that kind of, that phone call from, from the sales team. Um, and hopefully at the end of the 14 uh, day trial, hopefully we get them signed up and, um, and enjoying uh, what we're doing. Yeah. So with the sales team that you have, like, are they running, they're doing the whole sales process from start to finish? Pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously within that is me talking to clients in the gym and making sure that they know what the options are and, and, um, and what products they can, you know, what sessions they can purchase. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, at the beginning, that will get a phone call. Maybe after session one, they'll also get a follow-up call to make sure they're okay and they feel good. Depends whether I've spoken to them in the gym or not. And then at the end of their two-week two trial, they'll get another phone call. So the sales team, deliver most of that for yeah. me which is a new thing that we put into place only in September time last year um, because we were struggling at one point to kind of pick up new clients and to um, to retain people as well mm -hmm. obviously cost of living crisis has gone up you've got these three gyms in Bath that have opened up that are so much cheaper than what we do they're nowhere near comparable in terms of what the service is and what classes you get and what results you get mm -hmm. but when people are thinking about what their spend is we're £128 a month and these new gyms that come in are about 12 to 15 pound a month um, for your first six months or whatever, and then 20 quid after that. So it's, you know, people have, are thinking about what their spending is. And, um, you know, if they, if they compare the two options and they don't really understand what we are, they're going to take that cheaper option. Yeah, uh, that's a fact. 
So you, this is the sales team is recent. So initially you were doing all the selling. Like, how did you know that? How did you make the decision? Like, Hey, okay, I need to get somebody else to do the sales for me. What was that process like? Your thought process? Um, I was running out of time to do it all. Um, I also knew that there was just a, there was definitely a better way of doing things. Uh, when we first opened up, we were kind of new on the scene. I knew a lot of people in the area. So a lot of people joined up and we kind of flew through the first year in a bit and we, you know, we were doing really well. Um, so I didn't really have to worry about much of a sales process, to be honest with you. That was a bit naive of me and, and um, I didn't really kind of know that would be an issue to start with. But after COVID, we really struggled to get people into the routine of gymming. We struggled to get a lot of new people in. And so, you know, I needed to look into a better, a better way of approaching that. So to come up with that trial for two weeks, a proper sales system where people feel like they're, they're, um, uh, they're being looked after and being cared for more um, by mm -hmm. someone um, is really, really important. And it's been really successful. Um, and so we're just going to continue to run that. But that was um, something that I was doing a bit of research on myself, going online, figuring out what people were doing. And, uh, and I didn't really have a, necessarily anywhere that I found that I was just researching general sales tactics and then I spoke to a friend and he was like look this is how you should be doing it and he ended up giving me the advice on, on how to set that up yeah. so um without him and without doing a bit of research I probably would still be stuck in in um uh in the way I was doing it before which wasn't very effective yeah well I mean I, I can appreciate that you're you know open-minded and uh a problem solver gotta figure it out mentality so okay so now that somebody's in the door, um, do you have systems and processes in place to help with client retention? Um, so that's another tricky one is trying to do client retention, right? We try to um, come up with ways where clients can uh, kind of track their results and measure their progress and stuff. But we found that actually so few people engage with it. It was a lot of work for um, not much, much um not much kind of uh, uh, product, I suppose, from, from production from the people. So what I mean is like, we were trying to get them to fill in food diaries and things and track their nutrition and then fill in, you know, what they were lifting each week and how far they were going on certain cardio machines and things. But people just didn't really engage with that. And I saw that as like our main way of keeping people accountable, keeping the people engaged with the products so that they would stay with us. So let me ask um, you, I have a question about that. That's a good point that you brought up too. Like, why is it that you think that people weren't necessarily engaging? I don't know. I think part of it was that it wasn't fully connected with the system that we've got, with like our management gotcha. system. So it was like a se separate entity they had to do. Mm -hmm. But I also just think people in 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 um, the gym that we've got aren't so focused just on what results are in terms of what they can lift and stuff. They just a lot of them are there because they they feel great from it. They're enjoying it. They're moving well, and it's a really nice part of their lifestyle, rather than them doing it to get major results. So I just think the people that we've got. Although I maybe wanted them to be engaged with it, it's just not for them. It's just not what they what they want. Um, they're just happy to turn up to a class, enjoy what's what they're being taught, uh, and then leave. And I think that's that's why they like what we do because it's it's effective for them. It's quite you know forty five minute classes, um, and they don't have to think much about it, and they can get on with the rest of the day. So I think, yeah, I think that's probably the main reason why. That makes sense. So basically, like they didn't really like value those additional services um, that you had to offer. Yeah, I think so. And I saw that as like our way of really kind of retaining people and, and keeping connected with people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, our main retention comes from the fact that um, we try to run events regularly for our members. Um, we tried to do kind of, I do a lot of breathwork sessions, Qigong sessions, things like that to try to keep people interested. And it allows me 
plenty of time to talk to them and keep them feeling like they're part of a community and keep them feeling like there's something different that they're getting all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the product isn't stagnating, it's always evolving. Um, and they, you know, they want to stay with us because um, of that ad- added benefit. Uh, but it's definitely been difficult over, you know, over COVID time. And then the fact that we've got this cost of living issues, you know, people are starting to shop around a bit more and look for different things. Yeah. Um, and that's probably going to continue to be an issue for, you know, for the next couple of years, I'd imagine. Yeah. So let's talk about the future. Um, it's obviously a new year, 2023. Um, what are your goals for like the next six months? Like, what do you want to see happen and how do you want your business to progress by June? Okay. So in terms of kind of constantly evolving and the products that we offer, we are starting to focus more on health for people um, and how people are moving, sleeping, eating, and their overall energy. So in like kind of Chinese medicine terms, that's your chi and your vitality for life. And that can cross over to, to the Western side of stuff, things. And um, so kind of tonic health has been born in the last kind of six months, and we're really launching a program uh, in the coming weeks, which is a 10-week program to change your health. So it's not focused on weight loss. It's not focused on getting super strong. Byproducts will be fitter, stronger, lose weight if you focus on eating well and right nutrition for you, not just cutting loads of calories and doing that to lose weight. It's actually, we're supporting people's guts. We're educating them on what the gut is and and why you need to look after it and how that will affect your mood, your sleep, your energy, and so on. We're teaching them breath work. We're doing Qigong, we're doing yoga with them uh, and making lifestyle interventions as well throughout 10 weeks. And so at the end of it, and we did some trials of it last year, everyone got weight loss. Everyone saw body composition change. Everyone got stronger, fitter. But they also slept so much better. They had much less stress. Their moods were much more consistent. Their digestion and their gut was working so much better. And they just had so much more energy. And that's what health is, really. And if you do those things and you focus on those things like sleep and the little things that you can notice the day-to-day difference in, weight loss will come over time. Your body shape will change if that's your goal. And and you're going to get more of the results in the gym. So our big focus is around that and, and the health of people. And I think that's where, in my opinion, things need to move, especially after COVID. People are more worried about their health and like long COVID symptoms. And, um, you know, diabetes is such a, a major issue um, in the world and, and um, issues, um, you know, with heart conditions and things like that. So we're moving down that road. So we've been launching this program, Tonic Health, and we're going to be doing that every quarter for 10 weeks. So um, January is a great time to start it. And then in March, April time, we'll do another one and so on all throughout the year with, with uh, groups working together. So that's our new thing. And that's what we're moving into. And I hope that that helps us to build a client base um, and to, uh, to have a group that are really connected and interested in what's different that we do, which is the breathwork sessions and things like that that's ongoing. And, and if they do this 10-week program and they get results, then they're going to stay with us for the long term because they understand what yeah. our message is and, and who we are. And so that's my big goal is like bringing that tonic health forwards and people understanding more about why we're doing this. That makes sense. Okay. So you're launching a two-week program that's more focused, less focused on weight loss and more focused on like improving like their overall quality of health. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Well, as we come to a good point for us to wrap up here, just give our readers or listeners, I'm sorry, not readers, um, like some of the advice that you wish you would have had starting out 18 years ago. Ah, that's a big one. Um, 18 years ago, I think 
when I first qualified as a personal trainer, I did it through a private company and it was like a three month intensive course and I learned loads on it. Um, and then I tried to go out and become a personal trainer on my own and, and, and uh, run an, uh, an online business, sorry, a business where I would go to people's houses and things like that. And I hadn't learned enough. I really hadn't learned enough. And the best thing that for me was actually after that, I, it didn't go very well. I then went and worked in a commercial gym and I learned so much from the personal trainers around me, like things that I wanted to do, things that I didn't want to do. <laughs> and I really, um, I really value that time. Although, you know, it was, it was tough going. There's a lot of competition in the gym. I was paying a huge amount of rent. It really, really educated me. Um, and I would advise anyone, you know, if you've just qualified as a PT, or if you think about opening up a gym and you haven't been out there working in these environments and working with loads of other coaches, really do that because, um, you know, you've got to take your time to build things up. I think I've got a few friends who became PTs recently and like a month after becoming a PT, they're like, right, I'm going to open up a studio. I'm just going to go for it. I've got some money, but they really didn't have any experience and they really hadn't learned anything from other people. And they, I think they really even knew what direction they wanted to go in because they hadn't experienced enough stuff. So I think if you're early in the game, don't, don't jump in on the big studio yet. Don't jump in on your own gym, like learn some stuff first, build it up sensibly um uh, and you know take your time to explore some stuff because you will make loads more mistakes otherwise <laughs> so you can learn from other people's mistakes as you go yeah the best teacher is somebody else's uh, mistakes i think yeah definitely so aaron this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode but before we sign out please tell our listeners where they can find you yeah so um you can find us online which is toniclife.com so tonic is spelled t-o-n-i-q life.com and the same on instagram it's tonic life fitness um and yeah give us a follow and uh see what we're up to all righty thank you so much man we really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road so to everybody who tuned in today we appreciate you as well don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes hit the like and subscribe button and if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry Click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lawyers out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is Gareth Steed from 640 Studios in the UK. Welcome to the show, Gareth. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? Awesome. Super excited to have you on, ready to dive into the business. Um, but before we do that, first, tell us about what made you want to start the gym in the first place. Well, I, I started off in uh, personal training back at LA Fitness. Um, uh, we had a bit of a, a sticky point uh, uh, about a year and a half in uh, to my personal training career where they got taken over by Pure Gym. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be about three or four months before we could even set foot in the gym again and train people. So we kind of had to make do with training people outside, finding uh, other things to keep our 
keep our minds occupied. Uh, and three of us at the time decided that the thing to keep our minds occupied was to open up a personal training studio instead. So we, uh, we got to transforming uh, uh, this sort of tiny warehouse uh, place in Southborough. And, um, and then we built everything up from there. Is that the same location that you're in now or have you moved since opening? Yeah, it's the same one. Um, things, quite a lot has changed since we, uh, since we started and uh, we became I. Um, but always been here, always tried to keep here as well. I, feel, I think it's really important to, to keep that solid base of operations for most of your clients. I feel like fitness is becoming so much more of a convenience-based uh, thing for people. So I've noticed that people don't really want to travel that far. <laughs> so That's if true. you can keep a solid base of operations where most of your clients come from, then it made more sense to me. Yeah, definitely. I think moving, you kind of risk losing the current clients that you have and they might not want to travel. So that, that's smart, keeping it in the same place. People know where you are. Um, exactly. But, yeah, I remember when, about... we, when we moved as well, it was, um, it was really difficult because my, my client base at the time, I was doing about 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to, uh, to Southborough from being in Tunbridge Wells. And I lost about half my client base because they just didn't want to travel. Even in that short distance, we've got... We've got some pretty abrasive roads here where the queues of traffic just pile up out of nowhere and people just didn't want to didn't want to deal with it, unfortunately. Yeah, that'll happen. I live in Austin, Texas, where the traffic is terrible too. And if it's even like an extra 10 minutes, people don't want to do it. It's just yeah, not worth yeah. the traffic. Um, but tell us about 640 Studios. So how do you describe it to someone who's never been in before? It's it's kind of an interesting one because I and my vision is for it to be a purely one-to-one -one, uh, personal training-based studio. Um, in over the years, I've I've sort of invited different uh, people in. I've had trainers that pay for a space uh, that have looked into more group-based training. But the whole ethos of the place really is for that one-to-one -one tailored experience. Generally, more. Um, based around uh, rehab-based things. When I came in and we were putting the studio together, we created a treatment room in, in the studio in order to try and create this sort of holistic approach so mm -hmm. that you would have your uh, masseuse or even your osteo communicating right with your personal trainer to give you the best experience and best path forwards as possible. And over the years, that's been a little bit different. Obviously, I, I am one trainer that is really focused on my niche of fixing people, getting people in, understanding the jigsaw of what uh, has affected them, what's injured them, and, and fixing and healing. But we've had trainers come in that purely just want to do the weight loss thing, circuit-based thing. Um, so in the main, uh, it's mainly just get that personal training side of things down. Yeah, I think that's that's super important. That kind of sets apart the small studios from the big box gyms. Like the one-on-one -on -one personal training is so much more specialized and so much more care goes into it in a small studio than something like an LA Fitness. Um, they're great, but you, know, you want that tailored attention and rehab and definitely the small studio is the way to go. But there was just, a time. Sorry, I, I keep going. Oh, go ahead. I love it. No, keep talking. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a, a time where I was I remember talking to some of my clients when I was working back at LA Fitness, 
Uh, and it, it tended to be that if you, were, you came in those peak hours between five to seven, uh, UK commercial gyms are very much about how many bits of cardio equipment can we fit into a space. So when you're doing personal training and you've got one squat rack to, to work from or one bench press or where it is, if you came in in those peak times, you just had no opportunity to lead a session how you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and that's that is the, the incredibly freeing thing for my clients that stayed and then subsequent clients that came in uh, they got that everything that they need just totally tailored towards them rather than ah squat rack squat rack's not free again okay so we'll go grab this sandbag <laughs> we'll use that instead yeah isn't that crazy they have this you know million dollar huge gym but you're having to you know train your clients with whatever is laying around they have too much cardio equipment yeah yeah <laughs> so you got to open your own space and do whatever you wanted to do with it so i think that's super cool i'm curious about the name what where did 640 come from <laughs> now now this is why i'm either going to embarrass myself from outdated <laughs> information uh or not but there was a, a time where it was regarded that there were 640 muscles in the human body. Ah, okay. So that's where 640 came from. I like that. That's cool. Okay. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now how many members do you have um, in the gym that work with you now? Me personally, I would, Ooh, it's a good question. Actually. I would say I probably have about 20 clients um that i see eat all of them training somewhere between one to three times a week um but it, it they sort of some of them come and go because of their own work commitments but i sort of steadily have somewhere between 20 to 25 hours of client work a week and then my part-time pts some of them only come in to supplement what they're doing elsewhere so they'd be doing somewhere around five sessions uh, maybe even under that. Uh, and then one of my more active PTs uh, who does the classes, she has a few more clients that she she sees. Awesome. And then how does that work with the trainers? Do they pay you like a percentage of what they make from their clients or do they pay to like rent space from you? How does that work? Well, when we started, it was a, a very sort of rigid, not knowing what the, the industry is really about. Uh, and only ever knowing paying £850 at LA Fitness to keep my space. Mm. So I, we started with that, uh, mm. with the idea of charging people £700 and then realising that it was a, a real, real sticking point for so many trainers. Mm. All the time that I started and I was, I basically nearly bankrupted myself to go do my personal training qualification. I needed to make it work. Uh, LA Fitness immediately so I really got my head down and I really drove through to get as many clients within those first two months as possible but that whole thing is completely different from a, a PT studio that is in a more private area and only sells personal training rather than a gym membership uh, mm -hmm. so I actually changed my entire model about three years in where trainers uh, would pay a percentage of their um of of their takings all the way up to a capped amount of 500 mm -hmm. so that it allowed personal trainers to actually grow their business within the studio without feeling like being completely hampered by the financial commitment of being here 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's smart, especially as like a newer trainer coming into the industry that might not already have a client base. You know, it's hard to pay, you know, a set fee every month, not knowing, you know, where your clients are going to come from. Um, but speaking of, you know, getting clients in, how do you find clients? How do you source people um, and get more people into the gym? It's an interesting one because me and marketing do not go hand in hand. <laughs> there was a very uh, fun moment uh, when uh, I got the phone call from you guys, where I was just like, how on earth did you find me? <laughs> because my, I, my website is probably about four years out of date. My Facebook, my Instagram, they all lie tremendously dormant. <laughs> I had an excellent moment about three years ago where I proudly proclaimed I was back on Instagram and I was going to start posting and it lasted for two weeks. So, <laughs> so all of my uh, marketing and getting people in is purely on my reputation. Um, I have tremendous links with um, the top knee surgeon in my area because the type of clientele that I see is generally the type that need replacements or they've got traumatic injuries that they're recovering from and they've seen medical uh, or sought out medical opinion. And so I get quite a decent amount of referrals coming from there and from people coming into the treatment room as well. So it's really about the results that I've gotten as a trainer that does my marketing for me. Uh, I haven't spent a single penny on marketing for, well, definitely since before the pandemic. Wow, that's impressive. Thank <laughs> is, you. There, is there a point where you think you'll dive more into the social media or paid advertising? Like, is it a goal of yours to get more members or are you kind of happy with where it is now? I, I think with the, the state of the economy and the energy crisis in the UK at the moment, I'm, I inevitably need to do something more than what I'm doing right now, whether that is seeking to get another trainer in in the in the studio for and taking up the space or whether i need to go into the online platform and it's it's interesting we're obviously doing this um this podcast on the 5th of january and everyone has their new year's resolutions right yeah, the new year new me buzz uh, and for me um for the business that really was starting to redevelop if it was even developed before my online platform and how I get into that, whether that isn't, whether that's necessarily like paying for advertising or running a, a Facebook ad campaign. I tried that before. I didn't really, didn't really land anything. Maybe it was, maybe it's my inexperience in marketing that I didn't really target properly on that. Mm -hmm. But certainly I, I'd like to give more for my service and then hope to organically grow more leads as a result of it yeah definitely i think there's something to be said about you know using social media to target people who might not know they're there that you're there like sometimes people can live in that community for so long and have no idea that you're there if they don't you know see it while they're scrolling or some if they don't have someone who's ever been into your gym then they don't know you know to tell someone about it so i think and that's, that's been the tough sell for us all the time because we are the way that we are and where we are settled in Southborough is we are right down this residential road about two thirds of the way down it so there's just houses everywhere if if it weren't for the school uh, that is just at the end of the road no one would see us 
And so we, we captured a, a sort of amount of footfall by mums walking past, taking their, their kids to work, um, to school. But that's, that's the inherent trouble of having this sort of like private uh, club almost of this, this studio that's set out uh, in the middle of nowhere is that no one sees you. <laughs> yeah, so then it comes to, you know, how do you make them see you? Like if they're not gonna walk past you, like how do you get them to see you while they're in their own home? And then that's where, you know, social media could probably um, be useful. So tell me about when you were using social media. Did you see like benefits of it or how did that go for you? Or was it more just time consuming and then you dropped off? <laughs> <laughs> well, as as I'm sure you could probably tell by uh, my previous statement, me being so dormant, not a great deal came out of it uh, whenever I was running that previous Facebook campaign or just a, a little run of Instagram. I, I'm probably... I'm probably different from what is the norm in our industry nowadays, where... <laughs> I, I, I see and I hear so many things about oh you're you're missing an opportunity if you don't use all of this this these free tools available to you on social media. But I'm so focused on being that that one-to-one -one trainer that just goes out and talks to people that you're more likely to see me go down the road and just talk to a randomer on the street because they've they've noticed my top, say. Uh, than I am on posting on Facebook and Instagram at the moment. It, it was really interesting. I, I started doing a bit of mentoring last year okay. where I actually took four PTs through their exams. Nice. And they always asked me, every single one was just like, you should, you should like advertise this on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I was just like, I could do. Yes, I certainly could do. Is, it's not necessarily the thing I'm looking for because I really only mentored them to give back, use my experience to give back to them and help them through their exams. Because I, I feel quite invested in, in helping to make really good personal trainers. I feel like there's this unfortunate, this, mm, what, am I, what am I trying to say here? There's, there's maybe a lack of confidence sometimes in personal trainers nowadays because it seems quite easy to get through your your level three and then for people to just go into commercial gyms and not really push themselves to go beyond and learn and so the amount of clients that i've had come in um and say oh i've tried two or three personal trainers i'm just i'm really surprised by what you're offering me and and what you've given me since we started training i feel quite invested in helping personal trainers uh go to the next level, which is yeah. definitely not what you asked me, but I went off on the tangent there. <laughs> I, know, I like where it went. I think that's really true. I think a lot of personal trainers get into it now. Like for me, you know, I went to school for it and then I got a certification, but then once I was in a gym, I was like, okay, now what? I don't know how to source a client. I don't know, right. you know, like how to program something for this type of person. Like it's, there's so much more to learn after you get a certification. I think mentorship is so crucial. Um, so I think that's really cool that you were able to provide that to people because yeah, once you're, once you're out of the certification, it can kind of be like, okay, now what? Like mm. I've never trained a client by myself. Like, what do I do? So, And a lot of it comes down to the experience of just going and throwing yourself at it, doesn't it? But there was, I feel like uh, just someone even, it doesn't even need to be someone to, to put their arm around you and just go, Hey, look, we know you're new. This is, this is how you take on these things. 
I, I actually got school really hard um, when I started at LA Fitness. Um, one of the trainers in the gym, one of the more experienced trainers just came up to me and was just like, do you know what you're doing with that exercise? I'm like, I, I think I do. <laughs> it's for the hamstrings, right? It's like, what hamstring are you targeting? And at that point, my mind just went blank. I was just like, I can't name my hamstrings. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was that moment, actually. It was, that was only a week in, which I think a lot of people would have just like taken to heart quite a lot. But I was just like, okay, I need to be better. I, I need to go in and I need to be better. So if one of these trainers comes and like shows, tries to show me up again, I can just reply. Like my knowledge is just, I need to expand that. And that in turn actually really helped me. Like it wasn't that arm around the shoulder. It was a bit of a dig, but actually it really helped me just be better for my clients. And as a result, that pushed me into the, the gym a hell of a lot more to talk to people. And I think that's the bit that no one really tells you about when you're studying at school or you go and do your course, everyone's so focused on like, okay, here are the basics of what you do with training. And then, yeah, how you run the business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like whenever I got into it as a personal trainer, like you can either see everything that you don't know as soon as you get on the job as like, oh, this isn't meant for me. Or you can do what you did and say, this is everything I don't know. I'm going to learn it and be the best at it. So I think there's, yeah, there's two ways you can go. It can either scare you away or you can do what you did and, and make it a career and, and learn as much as you can. So that's really cool. Did you get imposter syndrome quite a lot when you started? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I still have it, you know, with everything I do. Like there's always that like voice that's like, you're not a podcast host or you're not, you know, a personal trainer, but like you are, you know, you have all the qualifications and but I think it's still really easy to fall into that imposter syndrome. Massively. I feel like I get imposter syndrome probably once a week. Yeah. Like how can I be a business owner? You know? Exactly. I, I, whether it's about, oh, are you, you really cut out to do this? There's been so many times where I thought, hey, this would be so much easier if someone did this for me and I can just focus on being a PT again. Or when I'm taking on something, um, like uh, last year, I was taking on someone with a bionic shoulder that just had a complete shoulder replacement. Uh, and I was like, I have never dealt with anything like this before. Am I really, am I really in a position to do that? And I was, I listened to um, uh, Jamie Alderton's uh, podcast every now and then, uh, Mindset with Muscle. And he said something really impactful. He said, if you're not getting imposter syndrome, you might have started to not care as much anymore. Mm. And I found that really enlightening because some, it's something that is inherently a bit negative. When, when you think about it, like, oh, am I good enough? Like, and if you actually flip it around to think like that, it, it just ends up driving you on more and more because you're like, yeah, I care. That's why I feel this way because I care. Yeah. And so the same for you with, with the podcast. It's just like, I imagine you, you're lining up to do like interview and interview and interview. And then there might be that little shred of doubt in your head of like, oh, can we go do this? All right, come on, we got to do this right. Yeah. It's because you care. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. That's interesting. Mm. So Gareth, what are your goals now, like with the gym? Like where, you know, you've been open since like 2015. What's the next step for you? Where do you want to see it in the next, you know, the next five years? 
I would, I would say surviving. I don't want to say that um, because, uh, as I as I touched on earlier, we're in a we're in such a tight spot uh, with the economy. There is a recession going on in the UK, and I got a an energy bill this morning that made my eyes water. It was so much, um, and it's it is a bit of a kick in the shins after having survived the pandemic by the skin of my teeth um, to, to have now the, the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis uh, in the UK, I basically just see these next few years as trying to get through that uh, and trying to keep the studio in as, as comfortable a position as I can manage. Ultimately, we've all got dreams, right? <laughs> like we, you've gone, uh, we were speaking before, obviously you've gone this full circle route where you started as a trainer, you went to EMS, like you're following different interests and you're moving around and finding what's you and you've landed on this podcast and you're hosting it brilliantly. <laughs> like it's all about moving uh, onto the next thing and having that dream. And I still have that dream. It's just so hard to focus on it when you're, you're really just focusing on how you get through month to month. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, ultimately I went into having a, a PT studio with the idea of maybe one day just having a bigger gym because right now where I'm, I'm so settled, the PT studio is amazing, but I would love to have a place where I get to, to take the PT here and then just go now go to my gym so you can do all the supplementary work. But um, that feels like a long, long way off. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard when you're in like the thick of a recession to see, you know, growth outside of just making it through month to month. But there will be another side to it. Like during the pandemic, we always we all thought like, oh, my God, this is like going to last forever. And then we made it to the other side. And I know that'll happen for you with this as well. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, think that's so. exactly why everyone is so baffled about why I, I don't have an online platform at the moment. And I don't really pay any attention uh, to those kinds of things because the pandemic hit and that was the only way we could do those things. But I, I absolutely loathed my time in the pandemic, not just because I couldn't see people and, and treat people and look for things that were the answer to the puzzles, but sitting down, I, I'm sure you remember it well, uh, when you were training, just it's that activity, it's that moving around, it's interacting with people. And there's no better way of doing that than actually talking to someone. Yeah. And so I, I hated my time in the pandemic, uh, either on Zoom or WhatsApp video calls or however it was that my clients wanted to do it. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm tremendously grateful to my clients for keeping me going during that time. But uh, I, I couldn't imagine uh, focusing or being or going with that trend of the industry, which is throwing everything online at the moment, uh, which is, um, I mean, it's interesting because I'm here doing a podcast, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like we're losing sight of that real face-to-face -face value. Uh, and that's why I continue to chase this silly vision uh, and try and keep that alive. Yeah, not silly at all. I think we lose a lot of, you know, connection that makes the fitness industry great when we're just, you know, typing up a plan and emailing it off, you know, I think 
one of the main reasons we all get into the fitness industry is because it did something for us and we want to give that to somebody else and see them build their confidence and get to know them on a personal level and see them grow every week. And yeah, you do kind of lose that when it's, you know, a Zoom video once a week and um, emailing them an update to their cardio plan or, you know, so yeah, I, I totally hear you there. In-person will always be the way to go. And I think people realize that too. Like they would rather have the in-person connection with a trainer too than just get an email once a week. <laughs> Absolutely. I had yeah. a lovely moment with a client. It was in, in fact, um, uh, the shoulder client that I mentioned earlier. Um, mm. There was a, a period of time where he was doing amazing things um, with his business, with his, um, he uh, adopted two Ukrainian refugees and put them up, um, as well as rescuing a, a dog at the time. And everything was so, so busy in his life and he was getting so frustrated with his shoulder um and i sat him i sat him down i was just like you have to remember where you came from with this you've just had a massive shoulder reconstruction and you couldn't move your shoulder at all when you started and now you've got fantastic range of motion range of motion you never thought that you would get back again because you've built that up gradually you're not allowing yourself to enjoy these little victories because you've got so much going on. You need to just stop, take a breath and just really enjoy where you've got to because you're doing well, man. Like keep going. You're doing so well. Yeah. Now imagine I sent that as an email. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that, imagine like, the complete lack of impact that that would have had. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, yeah. I didn't, I didn't set out to make him cry, but he needed to understand exactly what he was doing. And that's yeah. the value of, of this face-to-face -face relationship that uh, some of us just have to fight for to keep. Yeah, definitely. And I think to you, you could say that to yourself as well. Like, look how far you've come. You started at an LA Fitness as a personal trainer, and now this is solely your space. And you help, you know, more than 20 people every week to be better. And so you've come a long way as well. Um, so I think that's important to remember for you as well. Um, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, of course. Um, but I think this is um, probably a good place to start to wrap up. This has been a really, really good conversation, but tell us what your social media is because I have faith that you're gonna bring it back and we all wanna, you know, follow along with you. <laughs> so we're behind <laughs> you. You might be the only person that has faith in that. I have faith. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What's your website too? Yes, I mean the, the website absolutely needs a, a refresh. Um, I, I, was, I was talking to my my training buddy uh, today, and she consistently is is driven up the wall by the fact that I don't advertise my services properly because uh, she's she's very much Team Gareth as well. She believes in in what I do and and sees the results that I've been getting. And I don't know whether it is truly just apathy at this point that <laughs> leads to me not bothering with these online uh, services. But um, I'm looking forward uh, to actually maybe sitting down and just seeing if I can work out some sort of loose schedule um, where I can, I can just put some sort of content, content out there. I, I remember I was just... There was one post in that two-week period that I was posting on Instagram. Um, and uh, I was taking uh, a client through a banded pull-up. 
and trying to help her understand uh, her shoulder imbalances and why the pull-up wasn't going so well for her. And if she addressed it, then, then the pull-up would just fly, it would flow. And, uh, and I posted it to uh, Instagram with her permission. And I got a lot of likes on that because it was just informative. And it was nothing more than me just doing my job with a, a camera in my hand. Yeah. And something like that could work. Uh, like I said, I don't want to force people and, and push into people's faces. It seems so counterproductive, right? I am a business owner, studio owner, but if someone if someone just paid me, I don't know, uh, like uh, enough to make my way, enough to make the studio happen, and I could just be a personal trainer that, that, that did this for fun and I was just helping people for fun, I would do it. I care so deeply about getting people results and doing my job well that if I could do it for free, I would. <laughs> but I am not that person. I, I am the worst businessman you will ever see. <laughs> that can be learned. That's okay. You know, you have the passion and that's like what you need to start with and you have that. Now mm. let's just get you on the social medias, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Get, get my website up to date so when you uh, when you visit 640 in the future maybe there'll be some sort of up-to-date information on my website <laughs> well we look forward to seeing that would you like to share your website and your social media so people can find you i suppose so um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna say there's there's not too much benefit at the moment to going and seeing them but um Hey, this yeah. won't air for a couple of weeks though. So by the time this is out, yeah. Uh, so the website uh, is, and let me try and remember this correctly, <laughs> www.640studios.co.uk. And then if you search for 640 Studios uh, on both Facebook and Instagram, uh, you'll probably find me. I don't think there's a bunch of other people called 640 Studios. So you'll probably find me. Perfect. Okay. Well, awesome. Gareth, thank you again for being on the show today and everything that you've contributed to our listeners. Yeah, pleasure. And thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Anytime. You're welcome back. Um, but thank you to our listeners as well. We appreciate you. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description and we'll be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lawrence Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Sean Thomas of Fervent Fitness coming to us from Flint over in the United Kingdom. Sean, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Uh, great time to be alive. Great time to be alive. Great time to do this interview. And, and for context for people listening, we are just a few days shy of one year in business. So this is exciting. This is a celebratory moment. Um, but for the people who aren't familiar with Fervent, Sean, paint us a little bit of context before we get into the business conversation. When you describe Fervent Fitness, what is this gym? What is this business about? I suppose the easiest way to start is with the name, um, Fervid being um, quite an unusual name. And the meaning behind it is to be intensely passionate to an excessive degree. Um, and that's how we feel about health, fitness and well-being. Um, based on that, we, we've created our, our facility. Um, so we're a traditional gym setup um, with our gym equipment, with our classes, um, a couple of other services being thrown into there as well. Um, with the main aim of focusing on supporting people to achieve their health and fitness goals. Um, hence why we have great staffing model in terms of supporting, et cetera. Um, that'd be us in a, as a, in a nutshell, I think. Yeah. And, and so even take us back further. I think the, the origination of this matters in the greater scheme of our conversation here. We got this facility off the ground. You mentioned that this was an idea of yours for a long time, but take me back to when this started to become real, not necessarily the day we opened the doors. Take me back to, to when we started getting traction on this and, and what was going on for you and, and what inspired all of this. It's probably worth starting with um, a role I previously did as a, uh, a regional manager for a franchise company in this industry. Um, I was in charge of opening new clubs, um, supporting franchisees to become um, successful business owners in the fitness industry. Um, so I was very much used to um, playing around with other people's money um, and making sure they knew what to do and supporting and guiding them. Um, and I really, I always wanted to have my own chain of gyms, um, but doing that type of role made me realize how doable it actually was. Um, so the, um, I think the opportunity arose um, through lockdown when I had the opportunity to uh, be furloughed from work and throw myself in full time to just developing the business plan. Um, mm -hmm. Took a whole year to do so um, and to generate the, um, the capital to be able to open the club um, it's a substantial amount so we've had to go for we had an investor we um, we had some some large bank loans etc um, but that, that was all part of that year of, of, uh, of being closed um, I went as soon as the gym industry opened in England again I went back to work operating as a, a general manager for a, a large um, a large leisure club and um, over time I just I gradually moved away from there and uh, and opened the facility so it was a yep. huge and Fervid became a reality. Now, like we said, approaching a year, just, just a 10 or 11 days shy of a year in business. Look back on that time here for a minute, Sean, just kind of get a little philosophical here. What's been, what's been your favorite part about owning your own business and what's been the most challenging part about owning your own business? Wow, uh, what an emotional roller coaster! Highs <laughs> <laughs> and lows. Highs <laughs> and lows. Yeah, I got some tissues out. I'll start crying in a moment. Um, yeah, so some of the the highs, the um, the positives of it have been to be able to um, manage your own time, to be able to um, 
get out of something what you put into it. Um, to be able to run a facility, making all the decisions yourself when previously you've seen what works well and potentially what doesn't in some facilities, you can take the best of the bits that you've seen and, and collaborate them and create the, the best facility possible. So um, the beauty of owning your own business in this industry, I would certainly say is that, that freedom to make decisions, to operate and run um, as you see fit um, and in a way that's going to best support our members rather than potentially in larger facilities and clubs and companies um, there is a hierarchy so there'll be a head office and everything is, is centrally organized um, you know we're, we're not at that stage yet so uh, so we can make those decisions ourselves the hardest part certainly has to be the financial pressure um, it's not something to go into lightly um, we're probably in it now for for half a million I think um, so sizable investment um, at first we were really worried about it and that was the 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 um the reason that maybe we we delayed a couple more months because we had to really work out our our personal finances and what was going on um and then when we decided to delve straight into it we had to kind of forget about the numbers and uh and do everything we could control um and uh and hope and pray <laughs> yeah well you mentioned early on i i have plenty of experience doing it with other people's money but now your name is on this and and it is a little bit more real than just hypothetical dollars or pounds, excuse me, at this point. And so, yeah, there's there's a business aspect of this. Money in versus money out is an important element, but we have a much longer term vision than just constantly looking at that that number, right? We, we plan to be around for the long haul and all of this was necessary to get it off the ground in the vision that you had for fervid right in the branding in the aesthetics in the product that you bring to the forefront we needed that capital early on right absolutely absolutely um and it's a good really good point because i um previously when we were struggling to find the capital we were looking at facilities in different locations and um potentially on industrial parks rather than retail parks and um we were going to compromise on so much and uh, it really took a, a kind of a, a good self-reflection and a good sit-down conversation with myself to to not deviate deviate away from the plan and the uh, and the objective. Um, and I'm I'm super glad we we didn't do that now. Um, but it would have been so easy to do that, thinking that we've got to raise X amount more um, to achieve what we wanted to. I'm uh, I'm glad we held off for a little bit longer and did that. Yeah. And I'm sure that that we'll have those types of internal conversations for years and years to come as far as should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do this? But that's what we signed up for. Now, in the year that you've been in business, so many people listen to our podcast simply to figure out how to get members, how to get people through the doors. And so from a marketing standpoint for you, Sean, what have we tried? What's worked well? What hasn't worked well just to, to kind of grow and, and build your membership base? So I suppose a healthy mix of things. At the moment, we're um, or at the, at the back end of last year, we were we convert our leads at fifty um, percent. So um, one in two of our, our leads join the business. Um, okay. We um, one of the things that worked well for us was becoming so member obsessed um, that our members do our own marketing for us. So Instagram, there's a lot of the people will be tagging us as they're, they're training and, and videos and pictures of, this, of, of them training, et cetera. Um, we run things like member of the month. We're, um, we spend all of our time focusing on our member experience. Um, 
And I suppose I spend all my time focused on the team's experience to make sure that's correct, because I know they're the ones that are going to look after our members. So 75% of our members are coming through referrals and friends of friends that are, that are joining the club, um, which has allowed us to grow quite rapidly, um, which has benefited us. In terms of how did we get our first lot of members, we, we opened with 150 members um, with a terrible pre-sale campaign because of the, the extent of the building work and our focus has struggled to, to, to divide in the right way. Um, so we, we had a lot of work to do quite quickly when we opened. So we scaled the business rather than um, opening as we currently are now. Um, we scaled the business up so in, in terms of adding extra team members, classes, et cetera. And um, so we grew as we could afford to do it. Um, from a marketing perspective, that meant that we had to kind of go back to basics and um, we would be contact people on social media. We would be um, a kind of one-on-one. -on -one, so literally um, direct message DMing people, um, mm. inviting them down to come have a look at the club, getting the right staff on board meant that there was a pull in the market area. So they bought people with them um, and that started to generate a bit of a, a cycle there. We do spend our money on um, your Facebook, your Instagram, um, with Google also. So I think there's a, a great place in the market for that because if I think about anything that I'm looking for now, I go into Google. So it makes sense that anyone would do that looking for a gym. Um, it certainly does. Yeah. So, so we spend all our money on, uh, we spend on our marketing budget on, on those elements as well. Um, but the thing that has certainly worked best for us from, from a marketing perspective is just being member obsessed. Um, yep. And that might be asking them to write us a Google review because we know that supports us. Um, that might be asking us to tag us in um, their favorite workout. Our uh, social media content is looking fantastic now in terms of engagement from our, from our members. Uh, so people will be tagging their friends into it. They'll be, um, they'll be sharing things. We've got so much support and that's come from the community that's been built. Um, and all credit to that has to go to the team. Yeah. I want to break down kind of piece by piece what you said there because there was a lot of different elements i think first and foremost any kind of conversation we have regarding marketing we have to start with a product that's worth marketing like you said we we took it as a, a member focused approach but what i hear when you say that is we made sure that we were offering as good of a product as we could at the time right Let's give people something to actually want to share so that we can encourage these word of mouth style referrals, whether it's now, whether it's six months from now, whether it's a year from now, we have to constantly show up with a sound product for that to actually come to fruition. The next piece that I think is worth highlighting, um, and you guys in, in somewhat of a grassroots manner, marketing strategy, whatever tactic we 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 select is going to either take time and energy or money resources or some combination of both you guys dug in and, and spent the time to reach out like you said individually to people just to get to a point where we could be financially savvy and, and reasonable and then the last piece of this yes do we put a budget behind facebook Instagram, Google, of course, right? Facebook, Instagram, Google. If I'm somebody looking for a gym or looking for a trainer, what's the first thing I'm going to do? Gyms near me. Yeah. And it's going to, hopefully we, we populate on those things. We want to be towards the top of that list and we want to be eye-catching enough 
to grab that attention for when that person is ready. And so a number of different sources to pull in leads. You said we're converting roughly one out of two into membership. So I want to I wanna pick your brain on the sales process of this. When we have a lead, Sean, whatever the source, they a referral, they clicked on an ad, they walked in off the street, whatever it is. Walk me through what typically happens in that sign-up process for them to eventually become a member. Yeah, so um, going back to your first point about the facilities, we, we create a facility that, that to some degree sells itself. Um, we started off with 80% of our uh, of our capacity filled with equipment and, and have added equipment based on our member feedback and what they'd like to see. So the facility sells itself. When we're walking somebody around, we've we've managed to cater for all demographics um, from our power lifters to our um, the gentleman that I was just chatting to earlier today, actually one of our members since the start, Mike, who's uh, in every day, who's 83, um, who still likes his weight session. So um, we, we can cater for everybody. Um, and we're, we've started to offer a, a greater class timetable to support that offering too. I think the, um, for us, when somebody walks through the door, we it's that five-star welcome. I, I know that I've been to some fantastic hotels and some poor hotels. That, um, and one of the things that sets them apart for me is when I walk in there, the greet that you get from the meet and greet, um, the explanation, the um, the detail in, in how they describe things. And they, it, all, it, it immediately starts that visit off in either a negative or a positive um, fashion. Um, mm-hmm. And I, the guys do that very well at our place. And although we're not a five-star hotel and we don't we don't call people sir and madam um we treat people with so much respect and uh, and so much personability that um we're able to build those connections immediately yeah we'll capture their data so we can keep in contact with them we will uh, do a mini needs analysis to find out kind of what their objectives are what the goals are what's brought them in today um ultimately support them in any way we can so we have a, a load of different options in terms of how we can support them to get there um, and then we'll show them around the facilities. If some people want to go away and, and not think about it, we, we prefer a non-pressurized sales process. I've been part of the, the pressurized stuff previously, and um, I think people are more savvy to it these days, and it doesn't yeah. really, it's not really the, the approach that we wanted to take. Um, yeah. We will then contact them the next day, um, and it might be a case of calling Joe Bloggs up and, uh, and just finding out how his visit was yesterday. Did you, was there anything else that you wanted to see that we didn't show you? Um, was there any support that you needed? Um, and would you like to make a decision on joining the club or not? And very soft in conversation, um, but it, it just guides them down the right path. Um, and, and we hope that they make the right decision and that we are that right decision. Yeah. And, and so, like we said, even with the marketing piece, many different elements here to this. I, I think what stands out to me in all of that, Sean, is that, it's congruent throughout the process. We're not aggressive in one part and then laid back in another part. We're not up in somebody's face, used car salesman style, and then forget about them and good luck to you. It's, it's value deliverance throughout. We want to find out what brought them here. We want to find out what they're actually interested in, what you've done before what you want to do now. And then at the end of this, hey, here's how we can best help you with this. If we're the right fit for you, great. If we're not the right fit for you, great. Right? We can we can rest easily knowing that we don't need to to beg or to 
like you described, pressure somebody into signing up because the buyer is, is buying tendencies have changed, right? All of the, the research and sales and stuff that was done in the 80s and the 90s, the time has passed. Right? We can't use 30 years ago tactics in 2022 when somebody could just as easily walk out our door and walk across the street and there's probably another option for them. We have to we have to take a little bit different of approach and so i appreciate the mentality of that now we have a year's worth of data theoretically at this point or close to a year's worth of data at this point but from a a focus standpoint for you sean what's most important to influence how long somebody stays how are we trying to keep these members for the long haul so I was I was on a call not long ago with um with someone who's uh is very well up within um member attrition and uh he's uh, he gives some some great insights and some great information and um, ultimately we we want to get someone in straight away as soon as they've joined they've made the decision um one of his stats that he came out with was that someone stays for twice as long if you can get them into the club within the first twenty four hours um and the the takeaway I took from that was um, that onboarding process. So we may, we want to make sure that everybody gets a solid onboarding process so that we don't lose members through uh, mm. anything apart from either their motivation, their desire, anything like that. Um, so we invest our time very much in um, joining somebody up. Um, the following day, they'll get a welcome call um, if they've not already booked their, their induction. We, um, we do their body stats with them. So we'll get them on a machine called an in-body scanner, um, which we yeah. use. Um, they'll print off a full analysis about where they're currently up to from a physical perspective. Um, and acts as a great starting block for them. This works for motivation, so it kind of helps engage people to to keep reoccurring that visit and uh, and keep turning up frequently. Um, and our time from a, from a team perspective is to track their performance and make sure that um, we're we're spending our time out on the gym floor supporting anybody that would like support. We're available and we're, we're on hand. Um, we'll track how many visits um, they've achieved in the first thirty days, and then we recognise people for for consistently um, turning up as well. So it goes back to kind of what we were saying earlier is just being member obsessed. Um, and that is their welcome, that is before they've joined, that is when they're joining and also their journey after joining as well. Um, <laughs> and we need to keep that up after joining even more importantly, because people, our industry does has a really hard time with honoring and valuing leads and, and getting people to sign up and providing this this grandiose experience and then once you're a member oh good luck we'll see you hope your card successfully swipes at the first of the month and yeah. and that it's really evident especially in this kind of a model in the in the membership based model more so than anything else but successful examples lean into that even more are we focused on our leads sure of course, we always need new members, but can we invest the majority of our time into the people that we have and keeping them? Oh, yeah, that's that's where the real battle is won and lost in our industry. And so forecast this thing out for me, Sean. We've talked about where we get leads from, how we turn them into members, how we keep them. What's all of this leading towards? We've been in, we've been in business for a year. A year from now, where do you see this thing taking place? 
the plan was always to um, to grow rapidly, um, and it still very much is. So we're one facility coming up to our first anniversary. Um, the objective was to have our second club open this month. Um, the route we decided to, to go down um, was I separated from my business partners. Um, so that's involved um, sorting kind of all the financial stuff out there. So that's it slowed down our growth. Um, but I'm, I'm relatively happy about that. And I'm, I'm glad that's been the case because it's allowed us to learn and adapt. And um, we've heavily reinvested into our club uh, with an extra £100,000 since opening. So we've um, all of the profit is just going straight back into the business um, and more so so that we can create the right facility. And we've probably still got another 60,000, 70,000 that I'd like to spend on the facility before I'm ready to move on to the next club. Um, mm. The numbers are supporting us being able to achieve that for next next January. So we're, um, we'll get this quarter out of the way, being Jan, Feb and March, with them being such a crucial quarter for the business. And then I'll go back out to market looking for the second facility. The objective is, uh, is 10. Um, for no other reason than ten's a nice round number. Sounds uh, good. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to start. Yeah, I'd love to sit here and, and boast and say I've put all these uh, um, yeah algorithms in place. But um, no, it's uh, it, ten is just a nice round number. It's ambitious. It gives us the opportunity to grow. And um, based on where we are in the country, we're strategically locating our clubs so that we're safeguarded from some major national competition, um, which which potentially could come in with a better price point. Um, with maybe better facilities um, and they, they might be able to wipe out a large majority of our members. Um, so we, we've safeguarded ourselves by opening close to the coast in these smaller demographic areas that has enough for us to achieve our member base and to grow, um, but that potentially doesn't desire or, uh, or attract any of the, the national um, competition as well. So that, that was the structure. So 10 being the objective and the second one being next Jan, hopefully. 10. 10 it is, uh, we got to start with a solid one, I suppose, yeah. and then two, and, and we'll get there piece by piece. But I appreciate the, the, the element of planning in this. Even when you talked about opening the first one, you said it took me a year just to get the plan together to get this off the ground. And I've heard far more examples of gym owners that go from one to two or one to many too quickly they don't have the plans they don't have the systems in place they don't have the team in place and everything goes to shit and goes out of business i think you making sure that we button up location number one before we shift a little bit of our attention will serve you far better in the long run than just getting to 10 for 10's sake do you know yeah. what i mean Absolutely. And I think um, through having large teams previously in different roles before, I've always been looking for the next leaders of the business. Um, so we've developed, we've recruited, developed and supported our team so that I'm very confident now if we had Club 2 ready and lined up, that um, our team, some of them would transition into that second club with the processes in place. Some of them would be uh, would take on uh, more senior roles. So we very much recruited on the basis that we want the right people that are going to stay with us for a long time. Um, and we invest our time into that. So uh, um, I'm confident from a, from a, um, a staffing standpoint that we uh, would be set up for that. But yeah. as, you, as you completely rightly say, it's, um, it's making sure that this first club is solid and the foundations are perfect. So then we can 
um, divert our attention slightly to a uh, to to growing. And building a, a staff and a team and a culture behind that that's a conversation that could take us hours and hours and hours so we'll save that one for another day here sean but we're running a bit shy on time but i want to i want to keep at least a handful of minutes here in our back pocket for you to tell people where they could learn more about fervid what's the best website what's the social media where can people connect with you yeah so um our website uh fervidfitness.co.uk um, we're uh based in North Wales, um, so just close to the English border, um, in a town called Flint, as you mentioned before. Um, our Instagram pages, you can just find us at Fervid Fitness Flint on Instagram. Um, and then same as same with our Facebook page at Fervid Fitness on Facebook. Um, and they'd be the main, the main platforms that we use. Basically, if anyone wants to reach out and, and uh, want any support or wants to offer us any support, then, then we'd, we'd welcome all of it. That's tremendous. Sean, this has been fun. I, I enjoy these conversations and I always like to get a behind the scenes look at how businesses like this truly function and, and what they focus on when it comes to growing. We'll have to check in with you again in the future because it sounds like we still have a lot of moving parts and, and cards to be played. So we'll set a reminder to get you back on the podcast for now. That's all the time we have, but I can't thank you enough and, and I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. Ah, thanks so much. Cheers. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.